Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This is another episode of Movies from 1992. I'm your host, Michael, and Jacob's on the other side. Hello! Hello, everybody! <laughs> That's a little... <laughs> um, I watched, uh, this is not from 1992, but I watched uh, What's the Worst Could Happen with uh, Martin Lawrence and Danny DeVito. Not a good movie, but John Leguizamo... I was wondering why he would take, you know, kind of a smaller supporting role, but he gets to play so many characters in <laughs> this movie, and every time he fucking kills, it's really the only good thing about the movie. It's John Leguizamo, yes. Pretty much doing what Peter Sellers had to do. Yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, but uh, back to, sorry, I got distracted there. But um, let's start off, what's the first film from 1992 this episode we're discussing? Let's start off with Out on a Limb. Okay. Uh, had you ever seen this before? Had you even heard of this before? No, I hadn't heard of it before, but my God. <laughs> what? And, like, it sounds like the imagination of, uh, of a story that a kid would make up as yeah. they're presenting in, you know, school class, which is where this movie sits up. Yeah, you know? it's, uh, it's a movie that Universal had no faith in, even though Francis Bieber had been uh, a guy who had produced a lot of American adaptations of his French hits. Francis Bieber had done Three Fugitives. That's his other American hit. Um, but he he did movies that were based, uh, that would eventually be translated over to America, Three Men and a Baby, The Band with One Red Shoe, um, uh, The Birdcage, and there's a lot of other ones in there uh, that were produced, you know, or were produced or directed by him and they got adapted to America. But, oh, and, and Pure Luck, the one with um, Martin Short and Danny Glover. Yeah. That's also one of his. And this movie, it just, Universal said, nah, we're good. And they released it like on 140 screens and quickly threw it over on Fox. Acted like it was a Fox debut. And here's the thing is the movie was trimmed so much and so short that the version you watched wasn't long enough for television. So they added a whole bunch of scenes with John C. Riley and that other guy just horsing around. And it's so fucking funny and i have never seen that version available again you can only find the edited version i wish i could have found it for you because seriously it's like 15 minutes of them just screwing around and it's, it has nothing to do with the plot they're just improving goofy bullshit oh god i know i think that was the version that i watched I yeah well no no the, anyway. the version on voodoo is uh, about 15 minutes shorter but it's still funny as hell, and really, if it's not for those two guys, I don't think the movie works as well, because it's kind of convoluted, and uh, uh, I don't think Matthew Broderick has much to work with here. No, he doesn't. I mean, he's just on this little, um, in this little chase scenario, you know, going after a woman who not only stole his car, but his wallet, and humiliated him. And she's, of course, witness to, you know, the murder of his stepfather, who happens to be the mayor of the town. Yeah, it's just... It, it was kind of all over the place, but John C. Riley, I thought that was Louis C.K. at first, but I was wrong. I forget his name. Yeah, he's but just a character actor. Michael Monks, I think, is what it says here. Yeah, no, oh God, he was hilarious. Again, that was the biggest highlight for me, and I can never hate John C. Riley at all. He's always great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a murder mystery, wacky comedy. Uh, Jeffrey Jones plays two different characters, and they switch places when the, the good, well, sort of good brother dies, and the bad brother lives and tries to take over for him. Uh, it just, I think what it, a lot of it comes down to is just real fast, real furious, but it really does have a lot of goofiness. Oh, and I also love those two incompetent cops 
one of the guys is brand new so he's scared of everything and the other one is just kind of like he's not even really a cop he's just a guy there to answer the phone and do paperwork so they're stuck between <laughs> a rock and a hard place they don't they're too afraid to do anything <laughs> exactly so i'm like oh god it, seriously it's like this is all they had it's just two people in this small town just two yeah what a cute little t- uh, I think it's a Canadian town but uh, I also forgot that uh, Dinner for Schmucks was also one of Francis Weaver's and the toy oh yeah okay the toy I'm aware of uh, but Dinner for Schmucks oh yeah that's a Paul Rudd and Sid Quill right right correct oh my god it's been so long since I've seen that movie yeah so it's weird that this is Francis Weaver he didn't write it which it feels like a lot of his like wacky shenanigans but it's written by the guys who created Dark Man which is very strange Oh god! So Sam Raimi had a hand in it? No, no. Uh, Sam Raimi. Okay, so uh, there's there's five writers, I believe, on Darkman. There's the Golden Brothers, which are the ones that wrote this. They're the ones who created the concept. And then Sam Raimi and us. I think maybe his brother came in. Ivan came in and then worked on the script. And then they added Chuck Pafar. <laughs> one of the weirdest fucking names I've ever said. Pafar. Who was more action oriented and he beefed up the action sequences so there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen on dark man right oh wow Papar-ar. just don't <laughs> clash into each other and crap <laughs> yeah so it's it's uh it's it's a fine watch it's just kind of one of these forgotten films that i think is kind of undeserved like oh yeah. well they should have released this at least wide but they didn't so we owned this on vhs when i was a kid we watched it a bunch no, I mean, it definitely had, like I said, it had its comedic charm at points, and it's all thanks to John C. Riley. But yeah, no, I just wasn't feeling too much for Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Uh, what's our next film? Our next film is uh, Brain Donors. This, I will say this to sum it up, was a nod to. Why did I blink on the name all of a sudden? Marx Brothers. Marx Brothers. Yes. Yes, that's what it is. Oh, gosh, yeah, it was a complete nod to it, and everybody. From John Turturro to, oh gosh, the rest of the cast. Yeah, I, there, a lot Brian of these guys. Played, uh, the albino. Yeah, this is uh, a Mel kind Smith. of. A, yes, uh, uh, Mel Smith and uh, Bob Nelson is kind of a, a stage comedian, uh, snake comedian, or whatever. He's kind of a prop comic. Uh, this is, I think, one of his only movies. Uh, there's no real names in this. It really does rest on John Turturro's shoulders. He is carrying this movie like lightning in a bottle. It's fucking amazing how fast he just shoots the dialogue out. And oh, this this is a uh, this is produced by the Zucker brothers as part of their Paramount deal. And apparently, uh, Paramount was pissed off at them that they didn't continue their contract with them after uh, National Lamp- not National Lamp- I'm sorry, Naked Gun two and a half, and decided that they were just going to dump this it was like on 500 screens no promotion whatsoever i found this on video and i didn't really know much about the marx brothers but i knew there was something kind of retro and special about this the the speed and the 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 way the dialogue is laid out um i think it's a very very entertaining movie and super fast again if this is on television it's probably padded with extra sequences it's 79 minutes long (laughs) oh god Yes, and just the way it plays out. I mean, John Turturro coming up with all those little schemes, considering like he's a personal injury attorney, <laughs> and how he like you know puts that little deflatable thing in the woman's belly, and he's like, "This woman's pregnant. You could have harmed her and the child." What I love is that he insults Lillian left and right, but he does it with such charm that she thinks that he's flirting. <laughs> he's so rude. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the opening. I love, oh, yeah, go ahead. there's a period of about nine, ten years where a lot of comedies had these animated openings. 
and they just kind of stopped doing that. And a lot of them sucked, but this one's great because it's stop motion animation by Will Vinton, and it really beefs up the opening and gives it some production value. Oh yes, and it gives you like a sense of like what this movie's going to be about. It's yeah. just wacky and out there. And as it played out, uh, tribute to Marx Brothers. Well, and here's the weird thing is there's a lot of this claymation duck in the beginning. Did you notice that? A little bit, yeah, now that you now that I remember. It was not that was meant originally this was titled Lame Ducks, and that duck was referenced to the title, and then they erased it, so you don't know why it's there. It's just there. They switched it like six months later to brain donors. Mm, I don't know. What could have been the cause for that? I don't know. It just seems weird that they so it's supposed yeah. to, like I said it's supposed to be a, a love letter to the Marx Brothers and Lame Ducks is a much better title because you know they had Duck Soup and A Night at the Opera and stuff like that Lame Ducks just seems like it lines up better than Brain Donors <laughs> um, also originally it was supposed to be uh, Adam Sandler in the prop comedy come that that guy his role was supposed to go to Adam Sandler first no but I think he was too busy with Saturday Night Live at the time and Whatever else he was doing. Yeah. Well, the studio also said no because he didn't uh, didn't have really. I mean, this is right as he had joined SNL, and he wasn't really a name. But because of this movie, Dennis Dugan, you know, he was the director. Uh, he had done Problem Child before this, but after um, after uh, Brain Donors, he became a, a, a go-to for uh, uh, Saturday Night Live actors. Adam Sandler would work with them numerous times. And I think he did Beverly Hills Ninja as well, if I'm correct. I'll look. Yes, I think he did. I yeah, no, he... Dennis Dugan, yeah, and Adam Sandler, like their names are constantly synonymous. Let me look. Okay, so he did, yeah, he did Happy Gilmore, Beverly Hills Ninja, Big Daddy, Saving Silverman, National Security, The Bench Warmers, and now pronouncing Chuck and Larry, You Don't Mess with the Zone Hand, the two Grown Ups movies, Just Go With It, Jack and Jill. <laughs> so that's a lot. Oh, God. Jack and Jill and Zohan. Yeah, Jack and the Jill. I don't mind Zohan so much, but Jack and Jill is fucking insufferable, but. He's a really good actor, too. He was on Hill Street Blues for a season where he had a mental illness and he literally thought he was a superhero and he tried to stop someone because he thought he was bulletproof and gets killed. It's okay. Oh, well, it's it's it sounds funny, but it was actually really heartbreaking because you felt sorry for his ass. Oh, God, yeah, no, I didn't mean... I like, holy shit. How dare no you, idea. Jacob? <laughs> How dare I? How dare you? I did not know it was, not meant, it was meant to be a drama, not a comedy. Yeah. Uh, but anyway... Speaking of the opera, opera. Um, speaking of the opera, I love when they're at the opera at the ballet uh, in Brain Donors, and he's just being rude to some of the people in the guests. He uses that one lady's hat as an ashtray. <laughs> it takes off. Oh God, yeah. It's no, you oh. would think the ballet wouldn't have a lot of jokes to mind, but man, they milk it for everything it's worth. Oh god, absolutely! And honestly, like the behind-the-scenes stuff that they're joking about, I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Yeah, especially after seeing Black Swan. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking of the joke that the Zucker brothers had done earlier. I want to say it was in uh, Top Secret, where they had like huge cod pieces and they're bouncing off them. Am I wrong? Yes. No, you're absolutely right. Okay. Okay. Now, next movie is. Are we heading to the next? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I was waiting. I was waiting, <laughs> what? I was waiting on you. <laughs> I was like, wind up with no pitch. Okay, okay, here's the wind up. House sitter. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is actually the first we're discussing that was a hit. There's two hits and three bombs. 
Um, I think they're all like they kind of have this high energy shenanigans kind of to it. Maybe not so much white men can't jump, but a lot of them are kind of screwball comedies. And this is like the winner of the bunch. There was another <laughs> one where it was um, Once Upon a Crime, which was a star-studded flop. And I, I thought about adding that one, but it's it's terrible. I can't believe you got so many good people and a good director, and it sucks ass. Um, have you ever seen that Once Upon a Crime? No, it doesn't sound familiar. Yeah, uh, it's John Candy, uh, Sybil Shepherd, John Belushi, or James Belushi, uh, Joe Flaherty, and I think it's directed by Eugene Levy, or it's, I think it's directed by Joe Flaherty, and the house has Eugene Levy, and it's like an international crime thing or whatever, caper, it sucks ass. Um, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was a bad year for screwball comedies, and uh, House Sitter's the only one that, uh, sh- you know, burned bright. Uh, yeah, I just love how it opens up Steve Martin's you know, surprising his uh, girlfriend with a house, and he proposes to her, and then she says no. She like doesn't take it seriously at all. And the look on his face, that like smile, but defeated smile. Yeah, like, <laughs> you can't beat that. And it's fight directed by Frank Oz as well, and they have chemistry. Yeah, well, Frank Oz worked with uh, Steve Martin, I think five or six times. They really were a great pairing. Oh, absolutely. No, you can't deny that. I mean, especially after Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah, well, the first time they worked together was the Muppet movie. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, and then uh, years later they did Little Shop of Horrors, uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, this, I know Bowfinger, and I feel like there's another one in there somewhere. I'll have to look. But this is also from, uh, at the time, you remember when you would see the name Imagine Entertainment and know you were in for a good time? Yes. Then you just—I don't see it anymore. I feel like the power of Brian Grazer and Ron Howard has faded. Which is sad. It's like because they still do such a great job. They don't get enough. They still—they they still got it. Yeah. Hmm. But no, I just love how Goldie Hawn just played along beautifully in her role. You know, being the scan artist, making up the stories, throwing people for a little curveball. But at the end of the day, you know, she does realize what she's getting herself into, and. And kind of feeling for Steve Martin. Yeah. Well, you feel sad for both of them. They're they're both a little pathetic. And not in a, oh, I feel sorry for him, like a George McFly kind of way. It's just, you know, they're broken people in one way or another. You know, he's abused yeah. by his boss, and, and, he, and his ex-girlfriend was playing games with him. She was playing fucking games. Uh, I, don't, I don't like her shit at all. And, you know, I, I think that Goldie Hawn was broken because she didn't really have any parents. She had no loved ones. She really didn't seem to have any friends. And she started creating her own reality. And I've seen it. I've seen it. I used to do it when I was a kid is that I was a compulsive liar because I didn't like my reality. So she just started making it up. I started making it up. But man, she is fluid. She can just spit a fucking pile of bullshit, you know, to the sky and get people to believe oh. it. It's, it's really impressive because when you watch Goldie Hawn, She's thinking about the story, but it's not in that long, like obvious acting way. It's this okay, this is the next week, next week, next week. She just keeps it going. If she stopped, people will start asking questions. And you know, exactly. she has to be able to cover. That's like the best liars, I guess. Yes, and she covers it perfectly. And I love how she makes uh, Steve Martin's uh, ex-girlfriend like all jealous and interested now. It's like, yeah. oh wait, she's got she, she's got somebody. I gotta step my game up. I need him back. I'm like, uh... Yeah, God, she was a like loser. Her. She was judgmental bullshit. I'm glad she's out of the picture. But I really, it's just, you see the chemistry is so 
fucking good with Goldie Hawn, and she's kind of known for this, being able to give and take with comedic actors. You know, Burt Reynolds, uh, Chevy Chase, Kurt Russell. People don't think of him as a comedic actor, but he is. He's very funny. Um, Captain Ron, come on, people. <laughs> oh, <Trump>. yes. No, I... <laughs> yes, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, no, Kurt Russell does have some great comedic timing. Yeah, and she's just... She's a great actress. I think she might be my favorite actress, honestly. I wouldn't doubt it, man. I mean, she's had a lot of experience. Hell, even on the Dean Martin show. Oh, God. She played herself off so well. Yeah, like, I... Even... You know what's weird is I don't think I've really seen anything from the 70s, except maybe Cactus Flower with Walter Matthau, which got her the Oscar nomination. I don't think I've seen anything else. And then I, I, you fast forward to um, Private Benjamin, and that's like when I really started paying attention to her. Oh, yeah, no, she's a hell of an actress. Like I said, she could still carry it. I mean, as for, even uh, some older actors come out of retirement to do something. Honestly, she's always done enough. She doesn't have to prove herself at all. Yeah, well, she was gone for so long. I think the last one she had done was Banger Sisters, and that was kind of a dud. And she just figured, hey, you know what? I'll walk away now. She did Snatched. I think it was Snatched or Snatched. That kind of sucked. But I heard that she was good in the, uh, what, Santa Claus Chronicles or Christmas Chronicles or something? Oh, the one on Netflix, the one with uh, Kurt Russell? Yeah, yeah. I think so, yes. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I'll, okay. watch I'll watch it on Christmas. Yeah, I'm so far behind on Netflix stuff. It's terrible. <laughs> I know. I'm just catching up on Cobra Kai. <laughs> yeah, I'm on season three, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, so I'm way behind. I'm, I'm behind on Stranger Things, too. I'm just now catching up on the boys. What are we doing here? We're going off on a segue again. Let's get back on track. What's next? Okay, next movie is White Men Can't Jump. What a fun movie. I did not expect... I thought this was going to age poorly. Because, you know, in the 90s, a lot of these movies that are really hip, just they're, they're all so of their time, but it doesn't matter. I don't give a shit. None of the, the colors and look and the way they talk, it, it matters Passion. because the fucking basketball is so good. The chemistry, the dialogue is gold. This really broke Woody Harrelson and... Uh, Wesley Snipes into the big time. Both had gotten some bucks. I mean, Wesley Snipes had just got off of uh, uh, New Jack City. But he wasn't a leading man. And then Woody Harrelson was just a TV actor who had done Doc Hollywood, and that was it. And these nope. two became leading men, like big-name stars after this movie. But wasn't he also in Cheers? Well, yes, the Cheers, of course. Yeah, it was a household name for that. But... Um, you know, he oh, that doesn't mean you translate to a movie star. It's it's so hard. Right. Like Tom Selleck yes. was a, a, a very well known television actor, could not get really you know, could translate it to a leading man except for like the three men and a baby. Yes. They had to take some time and something out of his element. But um yeah. Again, I just love how it sets itself up, you know, Woody Harrelson's just like a con man trying to make some money to pay off people he owes. You know, so they'll kill him. And Rosie Price is his girlfriend, trying to come up academically so she can get on Jeopardy and win a fuck ton of money. <laughs> Which you think is bullshit. You think there's no way she's ever getting on Jeopardy. It's like a pipe dream. And then she does it. And she kicks ass. Oh, absolutely. She dethrones the previous champion. Like, forever. I mean, she pays off her debt. She gives him money, you know. But this is the thing with him. Uh, he always ends up uh, taking bigger risks than losing it all. Yeah, that's the thing. He really self-destructs over and over and over. 
Yes, especially, and he also gets played out by one time by Wesley Snipes. Because Wesley Snipes uh, kind of outconned him, like at the very beginning of the movie, you know, they never knew each other. And then he kind of outplays Wesley Snipes, and then Wesley Snipes gets back at him by hiring these two guys, beating him at his game. Yeah. And then, you know, they end up, and then they end up getting together on like a bigger con for like the uh, city basketball tournament. Yeah, and well, there, there is a con, but they still have to legitimately play basketball. They have to be good enough to win. Exactly. And, of course, Woody Harrelson, you know, he tries to, you know, does what, uh, he pretty much pulls a uh, Musashi uh, tactic, you know, get them angry, that way they lose focus, Yeah. and you have advantage over them. And that's exactly what... Uh, and that's what Woody Harrelson was doing. Of course, with all the language, getting angry, getting verbal. And Wesley's not just trying to tell him to chill and balance him out. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ron Shelton did this, and uh, he's known for sports movies. I think his biggest ones were... So uh, he had done Best of Tons, which didn't make much money. Um, but then he did Bull Durham, which was a big hit, and then this. And... Uh, I don't think he's involved in the major leagues at all. Um, but I know he did uh, Tin Cup. Just uh, oh, oh, play it to the bone, which sadly was a flop. His reunion with uh, Woody Harrelson. Bummer. Have you seen that one? It's a boxing movie. It's not very good. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I, my mom might have watched it on TV at one point when I was a kid, but that was years ago. I was only a talk. Oh, we lad. Yeah. But um, yeah. Again, the way this plays out, the chemistry between Willie Snipes and Woody Harrelson. Which is Great to watch, and I love Rosie Perez and any almost any, every yeah. product she does. Well, you know, and she she kind of burned out kind of fast. She she's very unusual, very particular kind of actress, and I don't think casting directors knew what to do. But I'll tell you what, uh, I can't remember her name, but the lady who did Birds of Prey knew exactly what to fucking do. She just cast her perfectly in that movie. That's a hell of a uh, um, uh, return, I would say. Oh yeah, I mean. Rosie Perez does stay busy. I mean, oh, gosh, she was even in Pineapple Express. She was the cop in Oh, that. yeah, you know what? That was kind of a comeback, too. She did a really good job in that. What, uh, is there going to be a Birds of Prey TV show? I keep hearing uh, rumors. I, I'm not sure, yeah, but, yeah, Kathy Ann, dude, Kathy Ann just knew what to do in general with that movie, and she's a great fucking director. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, as far as, like, a Birds of Prey TV show, I'm not sure. I know that uh, Penguin, you know, from The Batman... With Robert Pattinson, uh, he's going to be getting a spinoff. Uh, but as far as like what's going on ever since the whole Warner Brothers Discovery merger, they're really reshaking. They're really shaking up the uh, Warner Brothers, the the DC Comics franchises. Okay. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, also I love how like that little uh, nod to her career. I mean, she was a uh, fly girl on uh, In Living Color, and she was on um, Soul Train. Was she? Because I didn't, I didn't think that she, uh, she ever actually did it. I thought that she was just going to be a choreographer. She never actually did any episodes and quit. From what I was reading in the book. Oh yeah, she yeah no, that's what I meant. She was the choreographer for the. Oh, uh, did you say fuck? I'm not even listening. My head's so far out my ass. <laughs> Jesus, sorry. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. Our brains aren't supposed to be working. They're supposed uh, to be asleep. They're supposed to be lazy. I went this to the okay. gym uh, before I told you that I was available. And I got to tell you, I have not worked out in a while. And I'm a little ashamed of how weak I was. I was actually kind of pissed. Hey, ever since I got my car, like I haven't really ridden my bike anymore. So it's like when I'm gone for like almost an hour, hour and 20 minutes, then I'm kind of wiped out for the day. I'm like, oh, God, it's been too long. 
Yeah, well, you know, you uh, it's a lot hotter there than people think. <laughs> Napa well, is a yeah, scorching hell That's true. It can be, yeah. yeah. Time, you're right. They're, when you're right, you're right. And you're, you're always right. <laughs> what is that from? <laughs> what is that from? Spaceballs. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, again, I just love how she did carry herself. I mean, she's she's proven herself an actress, especially in, um, or even with uh, Spike Lee uh, projects before this. And, oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, and again, yeah, she'll always be a personal favorite to me. And I like, again, I, I it was kind of surprising to to hear her not say "fuck you" so many times to someone, though. <laughs> <laughs> I live for that kind of Rosie Perez moment <laughs> to have her tell someone to, fuck you. to have her tell someone "fuck, fuck you, fuck you, Joey." <laughs> but yeah, overall, this was a great movie. It's a classic, and I just love how it ended, though. I mean, yeah, he took the bigger risk. He won, but he still lost, uh, which I think, which is something Wesley Snipes mentioned to him earlier. Yeah, he just uh, he couldn't control himself, and he, you know, it's he, and, and the fun, the nice part is the ending is kind of like more uh, honest than a lot of Hollywood movies. Like, oh, they always oh, fuck up is fine. Everything is back to normal. No, he has to deal no, with his no. choices. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Rosie Perez left him for good this time. But hey, he paid off his debts, though. Yeah. <laughs> I just love how they just took a picture of him with him bleeding out of his mouth. I guess it's like, well, they just do that just to set examples. So it's like, <laughs> wait, did they even kill all the other people before? <laughs> uh, all right, anyway, so what is our final film? Our final film, I think, is like one of my personal favorites. And I remember seeing it in, um, I think, drama production. Oh, really? And... Yes, uh, I guess it was like a, was it drama production or was it film study? I'm thinking, no wait, film study. It was film study, never mind. I take that back. Yeah, it was for film study. We were watching uh, Noises Off with Michael Caine. I absolutely love this movie. I love the comedic timing, you know, especially, you know, but, you know, having some ex expertise and experience, you know, working behind the scenes in drama. Yeah. Oh God! Like the madness. So many... I've I've been on both both sides. Uh, I mean, I only acted once, but I did a lot of. Well, that's what my, my degree is in. Sorry, I'm choking for some reason. <clears throat> but yeah, there's there's madness at all times, running around like a lunatic. And frankly, uh, this gets a lot of it right. But this is such a complicated movie because it is literally showing two different plays at the same time. Oh God! Yes, exactly. Just like soap dish. Well, sort of, yeah, I guess it is. This is about speed. This is screwball comedy, so there's wackiness. And this is all timing, 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 timing. The part where they're passing around the wine bottle to keep it from Denholm Elliott is one of the absolute masterpiece of comedic movement. Um, I know that sounds really sterile when you say it out loud, but it was. Um, let's go through this cast real quick. Yeah. Uh, we have Michael Caine as the director. Who yes. has got Julie Haggerty pregnant, <laughs> is uh, losing his mind from the stress of the play. We have Denholm Elliott, who is a drunk and on the end of his career or whatever. I think this was really right before he passed away. And they spend the whole movie trying to keep him away from alcohol. We have Mary Lou Henner as like kind of the hotsy totsy uh, sassy one. We have Nicolette Sheridan as the, uh, well, let's be fair. She isn't given a whole lot to do except being in her underwear, which is kind of rough for her, I'd say, as an actress. Um, yeah, she's, she's like the clueless to like the whole lingo of theater production. I mean, she's not super stupid, but she's just trying to, she's trying to stay on top of things and everything going on around her is chaotic. And she's like, what the hell? Yeah, and uh, John Ritter, 
is uh, dating the lead, Dottie, played by Carol Burnett, and she's kind of like a past her prime theater TV actress, and this is kind of like her last big thing. But there's also the idea that it's possible that Christopher Reeve's character is also with her. So everybody's mad at each other. John Ritter is trying to kill Christopher Reeve the whole time. And then we have Mark Lynn Baker, who had just come off of Perfect Strangers. And he's like the, the backstage director who's always running around like a lunatic trying to stop things. But he's also forced to play characters because the timing of everything is off. And it's just madness how, how crazy everything is. Oh, God, yes. I mean, yeah, the first night when they go through first rehearsals, everything just goes smoothly. They have some, like, hiccups during rehearsal, but they manage to get played through in the end. The second one, they get away with so easily. <laughs> and again, yes, just the comedic timing where everyone's just, like, kind of yelling, not yelling, but they're mouthing like they're yelling. Yeah. Christopher Reeve and Julie Haggerty, like, no, not Julie Haggerty, um, Mary Lou Henner, like, where's South Bend? <laughs> well, there's the whole thing with John Ritter trying to kill him with an axe, and the axe is being passed around at the same time as the wine bottle, and everybody's moving in this speed. I, and the rehearsals on this must have been insane. And Peter Bogdanovich, oh, God, yes. he's, he's kind of a director that's been forgotten. Uh, he, he disappeared for a while, and he occasionally does movies, but he was known... For, I didn't know he died this year. or la Yeah, he died oh, this wow. year. I didn't know Peter Bogdanovich died. Um, he was known for kind of wacky comedies, and he had done like uh, a lot of stuff that just bombed. Honestly, um, he he had become famous because of the Last Picture Show. Uh, that's one that made Shibble Shepherd and Jeff Bridges famous. Uh, he had done Paper Moon. Um, Nickelodeon was kind of a hit, but after that, it just kind of all fell apart from him. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that his girlfriend at the time was Dorothy Stratton. Now you're kind of young, so do you know who Dorothy Stratton was? Please do. Let, please do enlighten me. I don't know. Uh, Dorothy Stratton was a playmate of the year 1980. Um, oh. She had been signed to do some movies, and one of them was Peter Bogdanovich's movie They All Laughed, which also has John Ritter, and it's a screwball comedy. And she was killed uh, by her ex-boyfriend. And there's a really famous movie uh, about it starring uh, Eric Roberts as her crazy boyfriend and um, what is it? Mer uh, Meryl Hemingway plays Dorothy Stratton. I think it's on HBO. I think that's where I saw it. It's truly an astonishing product. I mean, sadly, it's a true story. But that broke him and he rarely ever directed after that and it's, it's kind of sad. But Noises Off uh, was towards the end where he took a big long break. Oh, yeah, but I felt like Noises Off just, again, played out beautifully. Yeah, I can't believe this is another one where Disney, you know, a studio just dumped it. I don't even think it was released wide, which is a fucking shame. Okay, no, just at the beginning, I'm never going to hear when some when I, I read sardines, like, on a label as I'm shopping, I can't help but hear Michael Caine scream, the sardine! <laughs> sardine! I love her fucking bullshit English accent. Carol Burnett's is so over the fucking top. It's insane. Like, sardines, mister. You know, it's, it's, it's so British. Yeah, Cockney accent. Yeah, it's so insanely yeah. British. I know. Oh, God. She plays it so well. And I love how she gets back on John Ritter by, like, tying his shoelaces together. She had dumped him. Things were working yeah. out. And, of course, yeah, no, Christopher Reed just left his wife. But he's comforting. But yeah, him comforting um, Carol Burnett is what led John Ritter's jealousy. Yeah. Well, you know what's John funny Ritter. is one thing can derail a play. It really can because when I was uh, the second lead in a screwball comedy called Lend Me a Tenor, um, yeah. 
all of that happened, I swear to you, was the lead looked at the butler, and instead of just saying the line, he gave him a funny look, and we all lost it. And the play could not continue. I could not get the lines out. I could. I tried as hard as I could to stop laughing. And they're all frozen, all staring at me, trying to get the line out, and I can't. I just fucking can't. And I just I said, know. instead of saying my line, I said, just go, just go, just go, under my laps, whatever. And then we all left the stage, whatever. And that's what happens with this. Like a foam cord fucks up everything. Sardines falling off the plate fucks up everything. It's just these little timing things. And uh, I didn't know this also, uh, that Spielberg produced this. Oh, God, he did. Spielberg produced this and touched him still. He still dumped it. What a bunch of fucking assholes. I'm surprised he ever worked with them again. Yeah, I know, exactly. Shit. I mean, yeah, because I saw Captain Kennedy and Frank Marshall's name pop up and Again, they're always working with Spielberg. Yeah. So I was like, holy shit. Like, they just, knowing that, they just dumped it? This was, I thought well, it was a fucking masterpiece. You know, and I think... It was a masterpiece, and it had a happy ending, thankfully. Yeah. I think right after this is when Frank Marshall and Kennedy left. I think that maybe this experience rubbed them raw, or they got a better contract, because he directs Alive with Ethan Hawke next year. Like, like a year, like literally a year later, and then he does Congo... Um, trying to think. he did a few other movies, but then it became like oh, what Parks and McDonald became Steven Spielberg's go-to producing partners. Yeah, I don't even see, I don't even see Frank Marshall's name anymore. But you do see Kathleen Kennedy, obviously, because she's in charge of Lucasfilm. Yes, handpicked by George Lucas himself. Yeah, but uh, that oh, sounds like it's the end of our uh, film discussion. Six film or five films this time. Um, like I said, we got a bunch of movies to cover in 1992. It's insane. Uh, but I'm going to cap it. I'm going to cap it at six episodes. So this is episode four, I believe. One, two, yeah. Is it episode four? I've lost track. Yeah, I lost track too. I'll have to look. Um, Holy crap. Yeah, oh, I know, God. I know, I know. Um, We've I'm gone terrible. so far. We, yeah. can't, we can't end this now. Well, what? No, in 1992. Oh. I'm not ending the show, doof. Oh, okay. You had me confused there. No, me. no. We're, gonna, we we're capping each year at six episodes because we could be at it forever. And so we can't do every film, so I'm just picking and choosing as we go. Yes, this is part four. I'm looking in the files. Oh, um, good. Yeah, so oof, we might have to do extra an extra movie next time. We're going to complete this. It all depends on if uh, uh, the guy that I have on with action movies is able to do the episode. We There's an issue. Um, and I'm not gonna go oh, to Oh, jinkies. Yeah, I'll tell you Sorry off here. I'll tell you off here. Um, it's a personal thing that happened to him. Um, oh. But until then, check us out on all your uh, social medias and podcast hosts as Hit Rewind. Like, share, comment, and uh, that is it. Jacob, send us out. All right, namaste and good luck, my friends. And party on, dudes! Oh, I forgot the first part. Hold on. Rewind. Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> Fucking door. Dunzo, finito, terminal. That's it.